0: Well, we are going to continue focusing on the responsibility of discipline this morning, and then uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll turn our attention to the theme of instruction. We looked at Ephesians chapter 4 last week as we began, which is a, a reminder of the simple, clear instruction that God gives to families, and particularly to fathers. Um, to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We were reminded in our first week that parenting is not simply about what we do, disciplining our kids and instructing our kids, although that's a significant part of it, that parenting starts even before that with who we are as parents. Ephesians 6.4 is in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, which is flowing out of the earlier chapters about our understanding of who God is and what he has done in Christ and our response to the gospel, of of believing the gospel and living for Christ, seeking to walk in a manner worthy of him in every aspect of life. And so as we are focused on Christ, as we are seeking to uh, follow him faithfully ourselves and to model that for our children, we then are in a place to think about, okay, now how specifically should we interact with our kids? And God has clearly given us a couple of key tools to that end, that of discipline or, uh, or training and that of instruction. And so we began last time to consider that first responsibility of discipline or training. And we, we mentioned that there are a couple of different senses of discipline in the Scriptures. There's what we tend to think of, that of corrective discipline, as in somebody does something wrong and there is discipline or consequences for that. The Bible uses words like discipline and chasten and chastise, reproof and correction for that kind of discipline, and that's a significant part of the discipline that is to be um, is to be true in our parenting. But there's also formative training. The Bible uses words like discipline, train, instruct preemptively. And I gave you the example of a a sports practice, you know, where you see uh, players running and it may be because they've done something wrong, they've been goofing off and there's a consequence of that, but it may just be because they need to run and they need to, to get in shape for the sport that they're playing. And and so it is in our homes, not everything that would fall under the umbrella of discipline is because our child did something that was sinful and wrong, but much discipline f- comes in that context. And so we began to look last time at a, a number of realities that should shape our discipline and, and getting increasingly practical as we, as we go. And The first that we saw is that our discipline should be shaped by the nature of our children. We were reminded they're made in the image of God, and so any discipline is to be done in a manner that is, is respecting them as people. It's not to humiliate them. It's, it's not to, uh, uh, to do anything that would undermine the dignity with which they should be treated. We also saw that they will exist in, uh, in, for all of eternity, either in heaven or hell. There's a, a weightiness to discipline, knowing that this has eternal consequences in the lives of our children. It's a rescue mission, knowing that they are sinners who are ultimately destined for hell apart from the grace of God in their life. And they need to be disciplined because they are not on the right path on their own. Proverbs says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. All children are inherently sinful. They inherently are self-centered and rebel against the Creator, against God. We saw, secondly, that our discipline must be shaped by God's discipline of his children. We looked at Deuteronomy 8, which gives us a picture of God's discipline in the wilderness, of how he was disciplining his children like a father disciplines his own. And we looked at at that picture, and then we saw Hebrews 12, some of the principles of God's discipline, the things that he says are true of his discipline. And we drew some conclusions about that. We saw the relationship God has with his children. He's both a loving father and an authority. We saw who is disciplined by God. It's every child whom he loves. Discipline is a reflection of loving your children, not the opposite, as many say. we saw why God disciplines His children for their good and maturity as preparation for the future and, and that He does so with the goal that they would obey Him and ultimately become like Him. We saw some of the various means of God's discipline from teaching and instructing them to rules and consequences and rewards, circumstances that shape, develop, and test character and even provision for them and withholding as a means of training them and and we saw that in the midst of those things, God disciplines with patience and consistency and, and intentionality, and we want to imitate God in that way, to have a clear focus on why we discipline our kids, training them, preparing them for the future, not simply the future when they're out of our house, although that's part of it, you know, I hope that they can function on their own and, and you know, can, can get around life, but the future of eternity that they would know and love Christ and that they would be prepared for all that God would have for them in this life and, and beyond. And then we began to look at the, a third reality, that our discipline must be shaped by the warnings and exhortations of Scripture, the specific things that God's Word says to us as parents about how we should discipline as parents. We began with some warnings, the warning not to neglect discipline when your children are young, Proverbs 19.18 says, discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. Proverbs 22.6, emphasizing how we should train up a child in the way that he should go and that will bear fruit in, in the future of their life. And so we are to be careful to not neglect discipline when our kids are young. Those things that are cute when they're two are not as cute when they're 12. And and we want to be faithful from the time our children are young to to discipline in a way that is appropriate. We'll talk more about that. And then we looked at the fact that we are to not discipline in a way that provokes our children to anger. That verse in Ephesians 6 that gives the, the positive instruction to us also gives that warning. Do not provoke your children to anger. Or Colossians 3, do not exasperate your children. And so we can easily provoke our children if we're not careful in our discipline, whether that's being excessive or unreasonable or harsh or using our authority for selfish gain or just being arbitrary in how we do that or what the consequences are or how we communicate those things in a way that humiliates our kids. Which brings us today to where we want to resume and pick up with a, a third Um, exhortation of Scripture, and that is that we need to recognize that the rod is the primary means God has given in disciplining our children. The rod is the primary means God has given you to discipline your children. And this is particularly when we think of that element of discipline, of corrective training. In response to sin in the life of our child, especially when they are younger, that this is a primary means God has given I didn't intentionally use the word primary. Not only, this is not the exclusive means of discipline, and it is a picture of the larger uh, kinds of discipline that can characterize uh, a family as well. There's more to discipline than this, but it's a key part of it. God uses a, a variety of means, but this is primary. I want you to turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to walk through some, uh, some texts in Proverbs together and then pull some thoughts From that beginning in Proverbs chapter 10 and we'll just flip through kind of through the rest of the book looking at a number of Proverbs that are given Proverbs chapter 10 verse 13 says this it says on the lips of the discerning wisdom is found but a rod is for the back of him who lacks understanding over to Proverbs 13, 24. It says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. This is that principle we saw in God's discipline of his children, that it's an expression of love, that every true child receives discipline from God. And here it equates the withholding of the rod as not disciplining our children. Turn over to Proverbs 22.15, a verse that we looked at briefly um, earlier in our, our study last week. It says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Every child has foolishness. And remember, we said that's not just doing things that are silly. It's not childishness. It's, it's foolishness in the biblical sense, which is a, a lack of recognition of the rightful role of God in one's life and a rightful response to him, a rebellion against God. It says that's bound up in the heart of a child. It doesn't take long to see any young child that they are selfish and they want to do what they want. How do we respond to that? Verse 15 says the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Now again, remember Proverbs are, are principles, they're not promises. It does, it's not a guarantee every child who is disciplined in this manner will ultimately be wise, but it is the normal means that God has said he uses to accomplish that purpose. So if you don't want your child to continue to have foolishness bound up in his heart, the rod of discipline is the means that God has said to do. Proverbs 23, one more chapter over, verse 13, says, Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Again, this is a reminder that Discipline is vital, that it's a rescue mission, as I said, to, to rescue them from ultimate eternal, uh, eternal death and destruction. And he says, don't hold back that discipline. We'll, we'll think a, a little bit in a minute about why we can be tempted to do that. He says, although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. Your, your child may think they are dying. They may respond as though they are. But he says, no, if you, if you do this in an appropriate way, that's not what is going to happen. And, and instead, you are actually seeking to save them from death. You are seeking to, to save them from the eternal damnation. And so it's a rescue mission and a priority. Proverbs 26, verse 3 says, A whip is for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Proverbs 29.15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. The, The contrast between allowing a child to get their own way, which ultimately leads to shame for the mother and the folly of that child's conduct and behavior and treatment of even her, Whereas the rod and reproof, discipline, training, bring wisdom to that child. Now, when we speak of the rod of discipline, that is a it's a, a metaphor that can include a variety of means of discipline, but it is clearly referring to physical punishment. Ted Tripp defines it this way in his excellent book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. If you've never read that book, I would strongly encourage you to, uh, to read that and, and flesh out a variety of things both related to discipline and just dealing with our, our children's heart as we instruct and interact with them. But he writes this. He says, The rod is apparent in faith toward God and faithfulness toward his or her children undertaking the responsibility of careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God, thus rescuing the child from continuing in his foolishness until death. That's a, a great definition of, of what we mean when we speak of the rod and what the scriptures mean when they speak of that. It, it's apparent responding... in in light of what God has said and in what they desire for their children, undertaking careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment. Now, when we think of that, I want us just to to think of a number of questions and then talk a little more about how this may look in, in practice. You know, why don't people use the rod of discipline? If we read the Proverbs and the Scriptures and we see the importance of discipline, and, and one reason why I read all of those verses, you know, it's like, hey, we read one, we get it. You know, it's like, no, it's because I want us to see the emphasis that the Scriptures place on this. So why don't people do that? Why do people not use the rod of discipline? Well, there's, there's a lot of reasons why people might give, um, you know, some... Um, think of it as the same as hitting someone and they're like oh I'm I'm not gonna do that obviously you you heard even in the definition that I read the careful timely measured controlled use of physical punishment this is not hitting someone this is very different than just you know off the cuff smacking somebody some think this may have negative impacts on their children and and they may cite various studies or research that that, uh, that, um, that the secular community would say, you know, it can repress their personality or their creativity, you know, it can, can lead to emotional scarring for them, and, uh, you know, or that it teaches them to, to hit, or some just think it doesn't work. You know, I've tried it for a while, and, and nothing has changed in my child's behavior. You know, sometimes those things are true. If, if we are not careful in how we discipline If we do just hit our kids, or we do things that are not done with the right approach and attitude, it can have negative consequences in our children. But that does not mean that we shouldn't believe God's Word and carefully seek to apply God's Word in the way that He has called us to. So there are times where physical discipline is a horrible reality when it's not done in a manner that would please the Lord. We need to recognize that, but that doesn't mean that we don't embrace the wisdom of God, we carefully apply the scriptures in our life. Sometimes we may need to think more carefully and practically, and how we do that. Sometimes we need to look more at the attitude and the the means in which we are approaching that. Some people say things like, "I love them too much to hurt them in that way." Well, what's the biblical response to that? It's actually you love yourself too much you now it's it's I'm not saying it's easy but I'm saying it's a response of the love that we have for our child you know some think it's never the right time and and it is complicated we you know when you're in public or at church well when when so much of our world says no and God says yes the response of faith and obedience to Christ says we're gonna embrace God's wisdom now I don't think that God gives us this instruction simply to test our faith. God doesn't say against all reasonable thought, do this just so I know you love me. That's not what he's saying. Why, why the rod as opposed to other forms of discipline? God is wise. Remember, God is good, and he designed our world and us and the family, and he knows what is best. So why God said this is to be uh, uh, the primary means of discipline, especially when our children are young. Why? Why is it that when we uh, that God says spanking, physical discipline, is a blessing for how we function as a family? Well, we'll think first, maybe negatively. Think about if you don't discipline in this way but you do desire to discipline what are your other options well there they're generally things like timeouts or withholding privileges or possessions or or things of that nature and and again there can be a place for that and and especially as kids age and in the variety of means of discipline but when you think of young children and and ex, and asking them to do those sorts of things many of those types of responses drag out the time of discipline it can lead to uh, increased bitterness over time. You know, w- if I do something uh, with my, my child who uh, is, is older now, say they, they get grounded and it's like you're grounded for two weeks and now there's this enduring consequence that can lead to uh, the, the difficulty of bitterness in their heart, to the challenge of restoring right relationship. How am I going to interact with them during that whole time? And so this is a brief uh, consequence, yet a significant one some of these other means of discipline require obedience to fulfill the discipline you know we have all been in that situation where it's like you say to your child who just didn't do what you asked them to do like hey go sit on the couch for five minutes or go to your room and it's like well they just didn't do what you asked them to do and so now that you're asking them to do something and to obey you so what what happens when three minutes later they come walking back by you're like well now you need to go sit on the couch for 10 minutes because you didn't sit on the couch for five minutes and it's like I'm not sure this is going to go well. Like, this is, you're requiring obedience, or it's necessary to obey in order to have that consequence. So it can escalate in a way that we don't intend. Some kids don't care about other consequences. You, know, we've, you, know, you may have a child who it's like, hey, if you tell them to go to their room, they're like, sweet. <laughs> I do not have to unload the dishwasher from my room. I do not have to interact with these other people in my household in my room. Life is good in my room, so like send me to my room, please. That's great. You see, spanking is beautiful. It's quick. There is clear resolution and reconciliation. It allows there to be consequence and then restoration. And it is painful for all children, and, and again, if, if done appropriately. Well, does that mean that you can never use other forms of discipline or consequences? Absolutely not. God uses a variety of of discipline, and you can too. Particularly as your kids age, it's appropriate to to consider the the consequence intentionally, like God did with and does with His children. How does He uh, really get to the heart of the issue with us? You know, if you have particularly rebellious children, you may need to get creative and thoughtful in how you discipline. I mean, the child who is constantly slamming their door. Uh, in rebellious attitude against everyone in the house. And the parents, you may need to remove that door for a while or do something different. So it's not that we can't think through other consequences and pursue other consequences, but we do need to be thoughtful in that. I mentioned last time, we need to think before we threaten. We've all been there as parents in the moment where it's like, if you don't stop, and then it's just like the worst thing we could possibly think of that comes to mind. And we're hopeful that that will get their attention and they'll stop because it's so bad or crazy that they'll respond. And usually they're like, eh. And then we're like, oh, nuts. Now what do I do? Like I've threatened without thinking. We don't want to do that. So we need to think through other means of discipline carefully. Is it simply punitive that I'm mad and this will make you suffer? Or is it corrective? Is it really intended to help shape their heart and behavior? What are the other implications for our relationship going to be? You know, if I tell my daughter I've got a number who can drive now, you know, you're not going to be able to drive for a month if you do that. And then it's like, oh, tomorrow you go to work at 5 in the morning. What's the implication of that, that now I get to take you or someone else has to? And so we need to think before we we just go off. What are the, maybe it's great that I get to take her to work and get that time together, but it's, I, we need to be thoughtful about those things. What are other options? Is there someone, my spouse or, uh, or someone else that I should run this by to see what they think? So, so when should we use the rod? When should I use the rod? Again, Ted Tripp gives a, a helpful um, way of thinking about this it's simply this it's when a child does not obey And when do they not obey well when they don't do what you've commanded them to do without challenge without excuse and without delay so think of that toddler you say come here Um, or we say stop when they are, are doing something that they're doing and they rather than doing that they keep doing it or rather than coming to you they run the opposite direction Or that older child, when you say, go clean your room, and they mutter something under their breath, and they continue to play their video game, they have not obeyed. We we don't want our kids to be focused on what they want. We want them to be responsive to the authorities in their life, which is primarily us as their parents. Now, We'll talk more about this, but this doesn't mean you can't help train your younger children and you can't help redirect them to what they should do before there's discipline. We can, but so many parents and myself and my wife included, we can subtly get into the habit of training our kids when we really want them to obey, right? so we can get in the habit of raising our voice, you know, we say something to them in a normal voice, and then we ratchet it up a decibel or two, and then eventually they learn like, okay, dad is talking loud enough at me that he's serious and so I'll do it. You know, or we um, repeat ourselves, you know, um, Abby, if I have to tell you again, it's like, well, why wasn't the first time good enough that I told you that? Or or we kind of can be manipulating or trying to control them. You know, I'm going to count to three, and if you haven't started moving by three, then, you know, you're in real trouble or whatever it is. Children are trained to respond. And the Bible calls us to train them to respond the, the first time, to train them to obey with, an, with a willingness and an eagerness. Now, again, when they're younger, we can help model obedience by leading them away from what, We've asked them not to touch. You know, if that toddler is walking towards the TV and you say, don't touch the TV, it's okay to go grab their hand and lead them back away from the TV so that you are helping them to learn, here's what what I'm communicating and what you ought to do or not do. But we need to teach our kids to obey. And again, this is not primarily because it's awesome that they obey us, although it is very much a blessing for the entire family and for our culture when when children obey. And it opens up a world of possibilities for our relationship and the things we can do and the things we can teach and train them in. But it's primarily that we are wanting ultimately for them to recognize God as the authority, the rightful authority over their life. So this is not all about us and them you obey me, it's about them obeying God. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. This is the command that God gives to children and it is the one that we should hold before our children. Again, we, can, uh, we have to recognize how we have trained our children. So, if you have not been in the habit of expecting obedience of your children, but you have raised your voice or you've given them, you know, opportunity all the time to, uh, to do whatever and then randomly said, no, now it matters that you obey. You need to retrain your children in an appropriate way, being gracious to them, recognizing we've cultivated this in you, but we should expect that. When should I not use the rod? Well, let me give you a, a little list. One is when we are angry or frustrated, even when it would otherwise be appropriate. If you are angry Do not use physical discipline with your child. You need to deal with your own heart first. Then you can respond in discipline. And if you can't deal with your own heart, there'll be plenty of other opportunities as you grow to discipline your children. We also shouldn't use it for instances of childishness like we've talked in the past. There's a difference between kids being kids and kids being disobedient and we don't want to expect our kids to be something they're not, but we should be expecting them to obey. And so when you have that child coloring at your table and they go off the paper and they write on the table, that's not disobedience most likely, that's just kids being kids. And so if you discipline them for marking on the table, you're mistaking what what God wants you to discipline your kids. Now, if you tell your child, who is perfectly capable of writing on the, on the paper, keep it on the paper, and they look at you, and they take that crayon and they go off across the table, well, that's a different reality. So we need to be wise and discerning. We also shouldn't do it for accidents, for clumsiness. Again, this can be under that category of childishness, but kids make mistakes, the accidents happen. We don't need to respond in, in discipline for things that were simply the result of, of the normal accidents and things that happen. Again, those can be the things that tempt us to get the most upset when our kids do something that is just accidental, not intentional, and there's consequences of that. But we need to be careful. We also shouldn't discipline for inability or for lack of understanding. You know, if we tell our two-year-old to go make your bed and they don't, that's probably on us you know, or lack of understanding. If we're unclear, if we say something, you know, to our our child, like, go pick up that room, we have a very different standard of that. We may need to be thoughtful in, have I clearly communicated the expectation in an age-appropriate way? So how should we use the rod? Let me give you just a suggested model of a wise, gospel-centered spanking. Again, this is not Inspired, There's, this is trying to take what we've been studying about discipline, about God's discipline of his children and, and the biblical principles that he gives us and say, okay, how can we do this in a way that is appropriate and honoring to the Lord as we think together? The first thing is to consider if discipline is needed and can be appropriately administered, like we just talked about. There are times where we may be... Um, Disappointed in our child, but discipline's not the appropriate response. So we can ask ourselves some helpful questions Was there a clear act of disobedience? Especially when our children are young, we discipline them for clear disobedience. I told you to do something, you didn't do it. You say, Well, I've told them like a bunch over the last six months. Well, yes, this is called training your children. You tell them over and over and over. And yeah, we get tired of telling them things, but that's how we train them is using our authority in that way. Now, again, as they get older, it's true that they should be able to remember those things. But in most cases, especially when our children are young, it's was there a clear act of disobedience, as in I asked them or told them to do something and they didn't. Am I angry? If I'm angry, I shouldn't discipline. I may... I may need to deal with my own heart first, as we've said. Am I most offended at how their sin affected me or how it offends God? If I'm focused on how their sin has affected me and not on how their sin is against God, I'm not going to engage with them in the, the way that is most helpful. And that's probably why I'm angry, is because of how their sin affected me. And I need to remember that, guess what, I'm a sinner before God too. And so I can be gracious to this little sinner because God has been gracious to me. But I do need to help them understand their sin before God. Am I able to administer discipline without humiliation? Am I in a context and do this appropriately, privately? If I'm in the middle of Walmart, that's not the case. Am I prepared to direct them to the hope of the gospel? That would be the goal of this, is that they see themselves as sinners. And we'll talk more about that. Am I prepared to forgive them if their sin was against me? All those are important as we we think about discipline. Assuming all those things are true, my child has clearly disobeyed, I am concerned for them as a loving father because of their sin against God, and I'm eager to discipline them as God commands me to in a way that directs them to him, then I need to pick an instrument, something that I'm going to use for physical discipline. It's interesting that it does refer to the rod, not the hand of discipline. Uh, I don't think we have to be incredibly dogmatic about this, but there's a reason why it's an instrument and not a, a, a part of us that God calls us to. Now, we want something, ideally, that will sting real bad without bruising. We don't want to hurt the child. It's not our goal to cause long-term physical harm. It's our goal to, to cause temporary pain in a way that is, um, is helping them to see the consequence of their sin. You know, we as, a, as parents used a, a variety of things. When our kids were young, there was some uh, uh, fish tank tubing that we could get that was cheap, that we could have a variety of, of things. We also, you remember those little plastic paddles that you could have a ball attached to them? And pap, 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 pap. we found that those worked pretty well after we took the ball and the staple out or things of that nature. So we want something that will, that's got a little flex to it that will sting and not cause long term physical harm spatula, other things that that could be. We need to pick an instrument and then pick a location, a place this is, that is private, perhaps a, a bathroom or other location. This is not to publicly humiliate a child, it's a private act between a parent and a child and we wanna be sensitive to that. The other thing that those two things do is they force a measure of self-control on us. So if I think, well, no matter where I am, I can give you a swat with my hand. That takes me all of about three seconds to do, and that doesn't give me the opportunity to really walk through in my head all those other questions that we talked about. But if I have to go somewhere intentionally and find the appropriate instrument, it at least helps me to process and to prepare myself and to prepare my child for what is going on. Fourth, we need to point out the clear issue of disobedience and the consequence. We might ask a question like, do you know why... We are in here. And hopefully that child can say, because I disobeyed or because I I talked disrespectfully to you or because of whatever it was that is is the cause of, of that discipline and consequence. I think it's appropriate that we communicate to them how many swats or spankings they're going to receive. This, again, helps us to be under control. It's not, I'm going to spank you until I feel better or until you respond in some way it's no I this is the consequence it's a measured response in that way your children are if you have multiple kids are probably different in their in how they respond in that way so some children may, may one SWAT may be appropriate some may need uh, may may uh, be appropriate to give more than one and wait for them to receive the spanking as a demonstration of their obedience and contrition Proverbs 15:5 says a fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. Proverbs 15:10 says grievous punishment is him for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. This may be something you need to talk to your kids about, responding and receiving discipline. Now what if they don't? Well, certainly if they don't receive the discipline, there may be an additional swat if if I have to to hold you in a way that you're not receptive to this, there will be additional consequences as we train you to receive the discipline that is for your good. And we administer the discipline. You know, with younger children, toddlers and the like, they, they have typically a really nice fat back part of the leg or, or bottom that is a, a, a beautiful place for physical discipline. If you use the right instrument, you will possibly not need to spank on, on bare skin, but your goal is to inflict pain, not injury. If they have a diaper on, that's probably too much padding. And so you need to be thoughtful of those things. You know, your goal, again, is, not, is to inflict pain but not injury. And so the child will likely cry, and you can hold them and love them and, and then converse with them if you... Obviously, that's an ongoing part of this process. You want to talk to them. You want to use Scripture when possible. We'll talk more about that even in the coming weeks. It's very helpful to have memorized Scripture as a parent, although it's also appropriate to open God's Word with your child, you know, and to talk to them, not just to say, don't you ever do that again. Is that possible for that child? No. Don't you ever disobey me again. No. You, but to say, you know, do you know why you did that? Do you know why you disobey mommy, disobey daddy? Because your heart is sinful, because you are, are foolish. You're inclined to rebel against God. God says it's good to have parents and to obey parents, and, and you would rather do what you want to do. You need to humble yourself before the Lord. That's why you need Christ. Jesus was the only one who, who lived a perfect life, who always perfectly obeyed. Same reason why I need Christ, because we are sinners in that way. So converse with them, you may pray with them, asking God for grace and, and expressing gratitude for Christ and praying that your child would have a soft heart and in those ways. Then have them make it right if they've sinned against someone else or to go obey in the manner they would not before when, when possible. You know, if, if the issue of disobedience is something that they can go and obey, or they can go and and apologize to to someone else for what they've done, that's appropriate. Again, they may not always do that and you ultimately can't force that on them and sometimes we have to choose as parents like how much am I gonna push this? Don't think of it as, you know, you've gotta ultimately get them to respond perfectly every time. This is a long-term training of your child. You wanna win the war (laughs) um, and you may not win every battle. But you want to be consistent and and encourage them to obey. So if it was, hey, unload the dishwasher, and they don't unload the dishwasher, and you discipline them for disobeying and not unloading the dishwasher, and then they don't have to unload the dishwasher, they're going to decide, well, would I rather get a SWAT or unload the dishwasher? You know, SWAT's okay. Um, No, you you want to help them to see this is intended, and we're committed to uh, continuing to direct you to obey. So have them go and make it right if they've sinned against someone else or obey. And then be reconciled in your relationship. This is part of the beauty of this, is you walk out after this and you are restored to your child. You hug them. You love them. If you're going out for, for, uh, you know, it's time for dessert, they get ice cream too. Like this is not something where you are holding a grudge against them and it ruins the rest of your relationship. Now, they may not respond that way to you, but you are loving them and being reconciled to them. Now, this sounds like it will take some time, and, and oftentimes it does. Now, it doesn't have to be this lengthy every time, but it should be regularly characterized by this tone and interaction. That's our goal. This is what God has called us to. Now, you might say, well, what if my... What if my kids are, are getting older? You know, people have asked Christy and I over the years, you know, at what age did we stop using this means of discipline with our kids? Um, our oldest is 20. Our youngest is 13. It's been uh, a number of years since we used physical discipline as a consequence in our home. As our girls have gotten older, part of that is I am, am a, their, their dad. I want to respect their, their bodies, and I want to be appropriate in my interaction with them. And part of it is as kids get older, there are other appropriate means and other consequences that come. Um, and, and hopefully, it's also a result of the fact that generally, they are learning to obey. So it's, there is a time where we no longer use this means of discipline, and when we think about other means of discipline, but as we do that, we again just want to be intentional. We want to think about the consequences and and they should be things that that have an impact on on them and that are, are clear consequences but also things that don't have unnecessary consequences in our relationship. As we saw in Hebrews 12, discipline is not a pleasant thing. God says, Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor faint when you are reproved by him. And all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Now training can also involve... Rewards and blessings, good things that come as we obey. That was part of what God did with the nation of Israel. There were consequences and blessings. And so not only uh, is it appropriate to have negative consequences, discipline when our kids disobey, but also to have rewards when they do. But we do want to be careful not to simply manipulate our kids to have proper outward behavior. And I would say one of the greatest blessings of obedience should be earning the parents' trust and the further responsibilities and opportunities that come with that. You know, the opportunity to stay home alone is a great blessing for our children. It's also a great blessing for us as parents, but they don't need to be focused on that. Um, it's, It's a great blessing for them to be trusted in that way. You know, the opportunity to babysit someone else Having demonstrated a level of trustworthiness and responsibility is a significant thing, even if it's just a, a younger sibling. You know, the opportunity to have their own phone eventually or to, to drive or all these things are blessings that come. And it's right that we are helping our kids to understand that these things are part of learning to obey and building that trust and relationship with parents. God intends that children obey their parents. And he intends that parents train them to that end and that they discipline when they fail with the goal of them learning to obey Christ. A fourth reality I want us to consider as we think about the scriptures is that your discipline must be shaped by the age and condition of your children. We've already talked a little bit about this as we think about the rod and transitioning discipline as our kids age. But I want us to to remember that our goal in this, biblically, is to transition from parental discipline to self-discipline for our children. You see, the ultimate authority is not us as parents. The ultimate authority is what? It is God through his word, and we want our kids to move from, I'm obeying because mom and dad make me, (laughs) and there's consequences when I don't, to God's ways are best and I trust him and I now want to have the, the self-discipline to, uh, to try to, to direct my life and heart in obedience to him. This is a very um, important framework for us to think about as our kids age. Now, this doesn't happen overnight, this does not happen, you know, at a, a particular uh, birthday where it's like, "All right, we are moved, We have moved from parental discipline to self-discipline." In some ways, this is part of the blessing of obedience—is the opportunity to transition in that way. I, I can remember with my um, oldest daughter, um, and she she is a uh, is has been faithful. She loves the Lord and uh, has made wise decisions largely as she has transitioned to adulthood. But I remember when we took the parental controls off of her phone, and we said, okay, you're now an adult, and you are independent to a degree. Um, What what time limits would you like on your apps (laughs) so that you are not mastered by those things? And let's show you how you can set up those things for yourself. Now, again, if she was not... Faithful and was not making wise decisions. We may not have made that decision at that time But that's the goal is to say okay. We're no longer controlling everything in your life and world We are helping you to make decisions and allowing you to to make decisions before Lord. because at some point that transition is happening and we want to be intentional looking towards that this is why it's important for us to move from making decisions for our child to giving choices as they age we'll talk a little more about this in a second but but be careful mixing that up you see we, we tend to give a lot of choices to our children when they're young and then as they get older we're like no nah, don't do that like this is what it's going to be and, and ideally it should be the other way around. Does, does your three-year-old need to decide what they're having for breakfast? They don't. God gave them a parent and a parent who knows more than them about the nutritional needs of their body and, and all the things. And so you don't have to feel like I've got to give my young children all these choices and opportunities. No, you can just tell them what to do. You are their authority and they need to learn to obey you. At some point, your kids do need to start realizing how to make choices, but they need you to help them in that process and to have modeled good decision-making for them. If you ask your two-year-old, you know, do you want some nice, healthy, nutritious breakfast or do you want fruity pebbles, they're going to say, I think I'll probably take the fruity pebbles, right? But but if you've modeled good decision-making for them and you've helped them eventually, maybe they'll make a wiser decision. Again, we want to move from parental discipline... To self discipline. Or another way to think of that is transitioning from authority to influence. Ted Tripp, in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, gives this helpful graph. Um, it's not necessarily this, this clean and tidy in real life, but the idea is that as our children are very young, our role is primarily authority with very limited influence. Those of you with young children, you know, when they're kicking and screaming about getting into their car seat, how does it work when you talk to your six-month-old and you say, now, son, I want you to know that cars are very dangerous and people have accidents. And sometimes it's not even mommy's fault. It's somebody else hits me. I know you trust me as a good driver, son, but but someone else could hit us and the possibility is that you would go flying and so this car seat is intended to restrain you in a way that is for your good. So please just, just relax and I'll snap this buckle and it'll go well for you. Is that what you do with your six month old? No, what do you do? Take their arm, shove it through, snap, <laughs> right? You are, you're in authority, you can make them do what you want them to do. Now if you have a 16 year old who is not buckling, and you say, all right, same thing. You know that, It's different at that stage. So we all understand this. We go from being an authority who can make your kids do stuff to an influence who is more limited. That's part of God's intent. Why? Because they are moving from parental discipline in your home. They're going to leave, and they're going to be making decisions, and the goal is to prepare them for that. So we need to recognize this transition from authority to influence. And too often we, we give up our authority too quickly and we maybe don't focus as much on the influence as we could. Now I would say from our experience, it's kind of this pendulum. Sometimes it's like, okay, we've been an authority and we think you're, you're increasingly responsible and so we're going to give you a little more leash to make some decisions and then it's like, okay, that went okay and maybe we're going to pull a little back and then we're going to go a little more. And so it's not this neat and tidy thing. But as your children are young, you need to recognize it's primarily about that authority and as they age, you get to become more of an influence. This means discipline will look differently as we transition through the different stages of life. So with your infant, young child, what are you doing? Well, you're just beginning to teach them that you are in charge. You are doing things like putting them in the car seat when they need to be in the car seat. You can teach them the vocabulary of know and obey. You might... Lightly tap them on the hand or give them a light spank when they arch their back. Not anything significant that would be uh, harmful to them, but just getting their attention that you need to respond in this way. As they become toddlers, you are now training them to obey the first time. You are practicing and, and directing them to obey. So when you say, come here, and they don't, you're taking their hand. If they run away, you are beginning to introduce more formal discipline. You are beginning to, uh, to, to try to discern between childishness and foolishness. This is a toddler. He does toddler things, but he's also a sinner, and so I want to be faithful to recognize those things and to respond. In his book, The Faithful Parent, um, Stuart Scott writes this. He says, often the parent must sacrifice time, energy, and personal desires to obey the Lord and discipline the little one while there is hope. You will feel like when your children are young that you spend the vast majority of your time training and disciplining your kids because that's true. And it's it's a lot, but it's worth it. It's it's that season that God has given you to do that. Now, let me encourage you, um, if, if, if like, Dad is at work all day and mom is at home with a toddler, and dad has the expectation that mom is going to function in the same way that she did when she didn't have a toddler and that everything will be done in the exact same way at the home. Uh, And the dad doesn't say, you know what, the most important thing is that we're faithfully training our child. And so I understand if I come home from work and dinner's not ready because you've been faithfully training our child, and I'm happy to help out and and, uh, engage in those things that it can be a very uh, discouraging thing if we're trying to discipline but, but don't recognize the, the commitment that makes, that takes. You know, with toddlers, one of the things that can come up is they can, they can start throwing more of, more of tantrums where they seem to flip out for either no reason or in response to us and just uncontrolled crying or throwing themselves on the floor or those things, and, and we have to wrestle through how to handle those things. You know, some think it's just a communication thing that they don't understand, and so they're frustrated by that, and there certainly may be times where that's true, but it's a reflection of a heart that does not want to respond to the authority in their life in many cases, and so we need to consider our response. It's interesting, in Proverbs 26, four and five, there's um, interesting principles that God gives in, in these verses. Verse four, he says, "'Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will also be like him. He's not specifically talking here, obviously, about toddlers and tantrums. But, but he says, don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll be like him. You know, don't continue to argue back and forth with somebody who's a fool, or you'll just find yourself pulled into what they're doing. You, know, you may find yourself on the floor kicking and screaming with your toddler, trying to fix them. Not exactly. But verse 5 says, answer a fool as his folly deserves, that he not be wise in his own eyes. Wait a minute. You just said, don't answer a fool according to folly," Now you say, answer a fool according to folly so that he won't be wise, so he won't think he's okay. So there's this balance, this tension of like, I don't want to get sucked into to this cycle of, of folly. At the same time, I can't let someone think it's okay. So as parents with, with toddlers, you know, or someone who is, who is kind of throwing a, that proverbial fit, you know, we can't let them think that's okay. We can't just say, well, eventually you know you'll probably stop and we we need to address it in some way but there is a sense in which sometimes it's okay to say well you you do you for a little while here and I'm gonna I'm gonna um, come back and and you'll realize this doesn't accomplish what you intend so with infants we uh, we are beginning that uh, to lay that foundation toddlers beginning to engage in more formal discipline and authority with older preschool and elementary children we should be continuing to expect first-time obedience and also begin training in appropriate responses and attitudes and really focusing on their hearts. We can do this some when our kids are toddlers, beginning to engage in conversations with them at, at basic, simple levels, bringing the Scriptures to bear. But as our kids get older, preschool, elementary, we have great opportunities to talk with them, to address the issues of their heart in conversation, bringing the scriptures to bear. Again, we'll we'll think a little more about instruction um, beginning next week. and, And there's not a clear line between discipline and instruction all the time because in the context of discipline, it's a great means of, a great opportunity for instructing our kids. So if our child has responded to anger in the context of discipline, we get to help them understand what's going on in their heart and help them to see how our hearts are reflected in our behavior in those ways and the hope that we find in Christ. With teenagers, discipline will often become more creative and focused on that particular child. As I mentioned, there's some kids who, who are totally fine with one thing and, and crushed by something else, and we need to be sensitive to, uh, to what is most effective. It's also true that um, that discipline can be both brought on by the parents and the natural consequences of the decisions that are made. So let me give you an example. You know, if, if I have a, a, a daughter who is, you know, middle school, high school age and, and, and she's refusing to do her schoolwork or her homework, or she lied about that, you know, she had a project that was due the next day and she uh, said she was ready for it and the reality was she wasn't. Well, there may be consequences that I as a parent bring to bear on her. Maybe she doesn't get to go out with friends and do something, or or there's some chores that she gets to do at home now, or there's loss of some other other privilege. But some of the consequences are also just the natural consequences of the decision that she has made. You know, as parents, we can be so tempted to save our kids from those consequences. And and there's there's an appropriateness to that at times. But there's also an appropriateness to saying, "You are reaping what you sowed. You said you were ready for this presentation tomorrow, and you're not. And it's 10:30, and we're not going to stay up till one trying to get it done. Um, you're 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 going to have what you have, and you're going to get to stand up in front of that class, and it's probably not going to go great. And that's the consequence of you responding in this way. And so." Part of what we have to do as parents is not insulate our children from the consequences of the choices that they have made. They need to learn in the way that God intends through the consequences that come. Um, again, that doesn't mean we don't help our children. It doesn't mean that we don't, um, aren't kind to them. You know, I remember one of my, uh, one of my daughters? Um, got a, uh, a speeding ticket. And so, you know, it's like, well, there's a couple options. You can pay or you can do the defensive driving. And I'm happy to help you figure out how to do some of those things because you've never done this. And, and we can work on that together, but either you can pay or you can do the defensive drive. Well, dad, won't you pay for it? It's my first thing. No, I won't pay for it. Um, you get to pay for it. Like this is the consequence of of, or I would suggest you do the defensive driving and, and you still have to pay a decent chunk. And so, but it's the temptation, you know, I love my daughter and I know she, she uh, but I want her to learn. And, and so the consequences, um, we need to be thoughtful and careful not to overstep and remove those things. A final reality for us to consider is that your discipline must be shaped by the gospel. Guys, discipline is vital to your children understanding the gospel. The gospel is more than Jesus loves you. The gospel involves understanding God as creator and owner of all things and as the rightful authority. And we as sinners who deserve the consequences for our sins. Biblical discipline as parents teaches your children about authority. It teaches them about God's commands and the fact that we fall short of those commands. It gives an understanding of sin and its consequence, an ideal context for talking with your children about the gospel. Ed Tripp in his book, Shepherd a Child's Heart, says this, the central focus of child rearing is to bring children to a sober assessment of themselves as sinners. The focal point of your discipline and correction must be your children seeing their utter inability to do the things that God requires unless they know the help and strength of God. Discipline leads to the cross of Christ where sinful people are forgiven. See, in the context of discipline, your kids are learning about their need for the gospel. They're learning about their sin against God and and the fact that they can't change themselves and fix themselves. They can't just do better. They are in desperate need of a gracious Savior. Biblical discipline is vital to your children understanding the gospel. It's also vital to them experiencing the gospel. What do I mean by that? Discipline is an opportunity for them to experience grace. Not grace that, that says sin doesn't matter. Grace doesn't deny that sin matters and must be dealt with. But grace says you are loved and accepted in spite of your sin. And so you can address your kid's sin and you can continue to love and accept them and give them ice cream right after you've you've disciplined them. You get to model that that grace and compassion of God. One writer in the Gospel-Centered Family says grace doesn't mean no discipline. We can think that way. Well, grace just means I, I'll, I'll let it go. I'll overlook, and I'll overlook, and I'll overlook. He says, no, instead it changes the way we discipline. We combine discipline with love and acceptance. We discipline our children and point to the forgiveness won at the cross. Discipline is vital to your children experiencing the gospel. And it's really vital for your children embracing the gospel. If your child has a foolish heart they will not embrace the gospel. If your child thinks they know best, that they alone should have the autonomy and the authority to decide what they do and when they do it and how they do it, they will not embrace the gospel. But if your child has come to see their sin and their need for a Savior and you have been consistent in in the means that God has given, that is the normal means that God uses to to bring your children to a point of repentance and faith in Christ. It's not a guarantee, as we said the first week. God is sovereign over the, the hearts of, of every individual, and, respi- and, uh, and he alone can change their heart. But he has given us wisdom in his word and the normal means that he uses to accomplish that purpose. Well, let me encourage you to, to consider together with your, your spouse how you are doing at discipline. I know some of you are at very different stages. Some of you are just beginning. You're here hoping to get ahead of, of thinking about these things. And some, your kids are much older. And all of us, um, if we've been parents for any length of time at all, can look back and see things that we need to grow in or ways that we've been careless or ways that we've sinned against our children in this process. And some may look back and say, wow, this is, this is a real radical shift in thinking and how I interact with my children. If that's true, if, if you've been neglecting this, repent, ask God for forgiveness as a parent. Ask Him to uh, give you the grace to, to grow in these things. And, and if your kids are... Uh, of any age, you need to have a conversation with them too. If you have older children, you know, toddlers, preschool, elementary or above, and, and you start doing things pretty differently in your home and you don't talk to your kids about it, um, you will probably exasperate them to a degree or you will provoke them down here because they're like, whoa, this has never happened before. What is going on? But if you sit down with them, and you explain to them, this is why we are doing what we're doing moving forward. We love you, and we haven't always demonstrated that in the ways that God calls us to. And, and we want to do different, be different. And, and we're going to love you in ways that maybe we haven't in the past, and that includes discipline. And, and this is what that's going to look like a little bit more. And, and it's not because we are angry at you. It's because we want you to understand your, your need for Christ, and we want to be faithful parents Explain to your kids what they can expect and why, and then begin to consistently do that. And as I mentioned earlier, if you haven't done these things, begin by helping them along. So if you've always said, you know, uh, you've raised your voice four times, four levels, and then counted to three, three times, and then expected them to obey, and you say, you know what, we really need to get back to where when I say something to you in a normal voice, your response is to do it. Um, don't just instantaneously flip that switch because you've trained them to respond that way. So you may remind them for a week. You may say, hey, this is what we were talking about. Remember we said we, about first-time obedience? What I just said is when you should obey. And we haven't always expected that, but this is when you need to obey. And you can help them, and you can help them to be uh, comfortable with, uh, or not comfortable with, but, but to understand the expectation before you say, okay, now we're going to start disciplining in response to that. So God says, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. May we be faithful to do that in a way that embraces the wisdom of his word and reflects God's character. May God use that to shape our kids, to drive the foolishness from their heart, help them to embrace our authority as parents, ultimately because they embrace God's authority in their life. Um, Any questions about these things before I close us in in prayer. Happy to happy to talk more individually this week or in future weeks, but any any things that unclear or specific things anybody wants to ask? Yes. Sure. Yeah, I, I think I think there's two there's kind of different scenarios of our anger and frustration. There's the times where it's like, yeah, I'm I'm frustrated or angry and I but I know why and I'm wanting to deal with my own heart and yes, I can I can work through my own thinking in a minute or two and then I can deal with you. There's times where I've already responded in anger towards my child and and I don't I need to focus on me confessing my sin to my child in my interaction more than I need to focus on disciplining them so I may not discipline them because I'm just focused on on me responding rightly and and then there's times where I think we we are just struggling in an ongoing way with anger and frustration and the solution is not to say well I just won't ever discipline you because I'm always angry with you but it's I gotta do some serious work on my own heart to try to discern why and, and you know I would just encourage all of us, you know, to think about when, when we get angry, biblically, there's some root desire that we want that they're standing in the way of. And so to be able to try to get to that, to say, okay, I, I wanted them to treat me with respect and they didn't and I'm offended by that, or I, I just want them to, uh, you know, to pick up their shoes, they never pick up their shoes. And that's my, or whatever it is, but to, to begin getting to our own hearts in that. So it's not just the self-control of, don't be angry at my child, but it's, it's really trying to say, Lord, this is not what is most important. It's not most important how I'm treated, it's most important how you're treated or whatever. So sometimes we do need to do some more serious work on our own heart in some categories so that we aren't getting angry in those ways. So, um, so, yeah, kind of those three categories. You know, if it's a short-term thing where it's like, yeah, I can get my heart right, then, yeah, I may say, hey, um, give me a minute, and then we're going to talk. <laughs> um, um, you know, meet me in the bathroom in a couple minutes or, or my bedroom or whatever. Um, if I've already sinned, I may still say, hey, meet me in the bedroom because we need to talk, but it's going to talk about me. And I may still say what you did was not appropriate, but I never should have responded in that way. Um, or I may need to do some serious work so that I can begin practicing this more regularly if that makes sense. yes yep yeah. mm-hmm. yep absolutely mm-hmm. yeah I mean I, I think those are situations where if they're not gonna remember what happened you're largely just trying to make the most of that situation to train and help them. So if you're walking through Walmart and, you know, they're not walking with you, well, you can pick the, you can grab their hand and hold them or if they flip out, sometimes you do need to leave a situation though where it's like, oh, I had, I had all these grand plans of what my day was going to look like and because this is, I do need to respond to this, I'm going to, uh, you know, we'll, I'll come back later and finish shopping because we need to go now. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, younger kids, sometimes the opportunity for discipline has passed because, you know, you're like, wait, I, I'm disciplining you an hour and a half later, and they're like, why? And that's not helpful, and that's just exasperating them, and it's frustrating them. And, and you know, you know if, you're, if you're being faithful in discipline, you will have plenty of opportunities for that in appropriate contexts. So if you're not taking advantage of all the times at home, and then, you're never, then you'll be like, oh, well, I guess I can never do it. But it's like, oh, if you're faithful in those contexts, don't worry. If you miss some opportunities in public because it's not appropriate, don't worry about it. Like, don't, don't feel that guilt of, oh, I'm letting them get away with this. And again, as they get older, now you can start addressing that. So if they know, haha, we're at the grocery and I can do whatever I want because mom can't do anything, well, they're old enough to now have a conversation about that before you go to the grocery and when you get home from the grocery, and then you can discipline because they do remember as they get older. Other questions? Yeah, I think that's a uh, that's a great question, and I'm thankful that we live in Texas where that's not one that we specifically have to wrestle through. And I think, in in some ways, those are those are decisions that parents have to make wise and thoughtful decisions about how they're going to handle that. I mean, there's situations. In the the probably closest situation here is like when parents are in either um, like a foster or adoption situation where they don't have full parental rights yet and they do have to be, they can't discipline in those ways. And, and I think, again, you just try to, um, um, in those situations, you try to be as wise as you can to, to take the biblical principles about how we want to discipline and to do the best that you can in those particular situations. But, if, um, but it's, a, it's a complicated, complicated thing. You know, I think in countries where if, if, if the government said you cannot discipline your child in this way, um, you know, then I think Christians have a decision to make of how they're going to respond in that carefully and thoughtfully. Um, but it's okay to say I'm going to obey God and not man. Um, we just want to be wise in how we, how we do that. Um, it's right that we do that. Other questions? Yes. Um, so, um, so I, I believe that both Ted Tripp's book and the book *The Faithful Parent* by Stuart Scott and um, somebody else um, that they both work through some of what that looks like in different age contexts in a way that would be is very helpful. Yes. Sure. You know, I think, I think you've got to start by saying, is there something that I can do differently to, um, for this to be more effective in, in their case? So it may be that I need to evaluate what I'm using to spank them in a way that is, um, is going to be more effective in, in that case. Um, I think it's also true that, God says this is over the long term. You know, discipline does not always produce immediate results, and so we want to be faithful over the long term in those ways. Um, but it is okay as our kids are aging that we are, uh, are, are thinking specifically about them and how to respond in that way. But so often I think, you know, it's, it's more of a matter of us thinking through. Um, like if, if I was, um, you know, if different kids have different response levels to things, and so sometimes... Those are things that we need to think about. How, and that's where I think you know some kids get one SWAT and some kids get three because of who they are and how they respond. But we, we want to be thoughtful in those ways. All right, let me pray. If you have other questions, we can talk more, and we've got future weeks as well to interact on these things. But thanks again for your time and, uh, and considering these things together. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to, um, to be together thinking about these These things. Thank you for the wisdom of Scripture. Give us uh, grace as we seek to apply these things in our homes. Help us to be humble before you, to be growing in our love for you, our devotion to you, and in the, the way that we lead our families. And thank you for the kids that are represented by the parents in this class, the families. And we pray that they would grow to know and love you, that they would. Uh, humble themselves before you that they would embrace your authority as the good and wise god the creator of all things that they would repent and trust christ and that they would see their need for the gospel and and for his grace as a result of how we parent them um, lord forgive us for not doing this as faithfully as we ought to but i pray that we would be motivated to uh, to love you well in these ways in christ's name